Church. Welcome to Jubilee Men's Inheritance. Let's come together this morning and worship the Lord together. Let's come and gather our spirits, our minds, our hearts to bring Him the fruit of our lips. That's the sacrifice that pleases the Lord, the confession of our lips. Lord, we come to you and we bring to you this praise. We know that you are sitting on the throne and you are alive in our hearts. We praise you for this time of Advent when we prepare our hearts to receive you in a new dimension. We praise you that you come together, we come together and you join us. You uh, kindle that fire in our hearts to come and praise you and so that you would receive the fragrance that is pleasing unto you, the fruit of our lips that confess your name. We bless you. Amen. of days blessing and honor glory and power be unto the ancient of days from every nation all of creation come before the ancient of days every tongue in heaven and earth shall declare Bow at your throne in worship, you will be exalted, O God, and your kingdom shall not pass away, O ancient of days. Your kingdom shall reign over all the earth, sing unto the ancient of days, for none of you matchless work sing unto the ancient of days your kingdom shall reign over all the earth sing unto the ancient of days for none can compare to your matchless work Exalted, O God, and your kingdom shall not pass away, O ancient of
Oh, ancient of days. Oh, ancient of days. Oh, ancient of days. The Lord reigns. He's sitting on the throne. He's the ancient of days. His days are unlimited from ever to ever. He has no beginning. He has no end. And this morning we're coming to join that eternity in heaven. I brought my shofar. We're going to show to blow this morning the trumpet. We're going to blow the shofar that assembles and gathers the army of the Lord on Zion. Mount Zion is not only a physical point, a physical uh, place, location on the earth. It is a place in heaven. On the city, they run on the wall. Great is the army that carried his word. The Lord uttered his voice before his army. The Lord uttered his voice before his army. Double trumpet in Zion, Zion. Sound alarm on my holy mountain. Blow the trumpet in Zion, Zion. Sound the alarm, blow the trumpet in Zion, Zion. Sound the alarm on my holy mountain, blow the trumpet in Zion, Zion. Sound the alarm, blow the trumpet in Zion, Zion. Sound the alarm on my holy mountain, blow the trumpet in Zion, Zion. Sound the alarm. Trumpet in Zion, Zion. Sound the alarm on my holy mountain. Blow the trumpet in Zion, Zion. Sound the alarm. Sound the alarm. Sound the alarm. 
There's a sound with the trumpet of Zion that connects heaven with the earth. There's a sound that is streaming straight from heaven and that connects us as a body of Christ. Amen. At all times I will bless him, his praise will be my mouth. My soul makes its boast in the Lord. The humble man will hear him, the afflicted will be glad. And going with him to magnify the Lord, let us exalt his name. Together forever, I saw the Lord, He heard me and delivered me from my fears. Let us exalt His name together forever. Oh, sing His praises, magnify the Lord. The angel of the Camps round those who fear his name to save them and deliver them from harm. The lions roar with hunger, will lack of no good things. No wonder that we praise him with a song. Let us exalt his name. Exalt his name forever together. Oh, sing his praises, magnify the Lord. Come, children, now. And hear me if you will see long life. To skip your lips from wickedness and lies. Do good and turn from evil. Seek peace instead of strife. Not righteousness and God will hear your cry. Let us exalt his name. I saw the Lord, He heard me and delivered me from my fear. Let us exalt His name together forever. Oh, sing His praises, magnify the
There is a sound of holiness. That comes out of the place in heavens. That's the place where day and night the angels of the Lord shout to one another Kadosh, 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 Adonai Sebaot, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God of hosts.
every place of encounter it is his holiness that calls us to communion with him and come into his glory without sense of guilt because Jesus has whole fulfilled and the father sees us through his son so in this holiness there's no fear there's glory without any fear respect you Lord we didn't come with the human agendas but we come to meet you to encounter you to encounter the glory that transforms us we are thirsty and hungry to see you to feel you to hear you and to be transformed into the likeness of your beloved son whom we love forever and ever Take a moment and find three people and welcome them and speak life, and then we're going to start our, our meeting together. Welcome everybody online. It's good to have, be together in the house and online, and you're a part of the family. Those of you who will be picking up with us later, uh, afterwards, then you're just as much in the moment. So just don't let that moment that you're in, wherever it's later on, right now escape because this is uh, a, a sovereign time just like uh, Pascal shared we are in a place where it's a holy moment and holy moments open doors for, into the kingdom that are not found otherwise so God bless you you're in <laughs> okay come on in then we're going to get started I want to love for you to sit down for just a second we're going to we're going to in a minute I'm going to ask you a couple questions then we're going to find a partner to process some of those. And then we're going to continue on into the questions Jesus is stepping into or bringing us to face. Pascal, thank you very much for the worship. We appreciate that. That was really, really sweet. I have the joy often to pray with Pascal during our prayer watch in a Wednesday afternoon. And I've... Uh, Pascal is a music director, pastor in Santa Barbara, so he doesn't get to be with us in many places. I'd love for you if you guys could come down on Wednesday and blow your shofar that night I, to, as we start the party. I think that would, that would be huge. So if you can do that, come on down. This Wednesday's our, this Wednesday's our Christmas party, and we're going to activate all of these stations and have encounters with the Lord. And love for every one of you men to be a part of us and be a part of it. Tomorrow we're going to lay hands on anyone who's going to be uh, supporting or being uh, at the place of um, 
these stations. What's a station? It's just a, it's like a station. It's a place you can get on and get off. <laughs> uh, in the spirit, all things are possible. You can be the beloved, most beloved disciple on a desert island or an island that's a prison island, having been uh, shut down in every fashion, but because you've been a man who used to lean on the breast of Jesus and you knew him for love and you now have been apostle. So everything man's doing is shut you down. And yet you're sitting on a rock and you can be in the spirit on the Lord's day and you can go into heaven. But that takes journeying, learning, and trusting God in those ways. But if you're then, if for all of us, if I can be given an opportunity to say, okay, over here where we gather for prayer uh, every Wednesday, we're going to have a station of hope because these prodigals that we've been praying for are creating a faith for expectancy of what has been gone off the path that we had anticipated and for God to fulfill the pur purpose that he set in motion. So uh, there's just a lot of hope there. So we're going to, you, you come in and say, okay, I'm going to come over to this and, and sit there. And then someone comes and lays hands on you or you're just in the presence. Hope comes because we've designated this as a place of hope. Does that make sense? Yeah. Gee, God, God did it by saying, I designate my house is a house of prayer for all nations. And everyone who comes to this place to pray, I will hear what they're praying and I will regard the prayers in this house. So God makes doorways through physical connections, and that's what we're going to do. We've got eight, nine. We're going to start with a prosperous new year at 6 o'clock in the cafe, and uh, then we'll, we'll come in, worship for a few minutes, and then we can start moving around. We're putting, man, you'll love this, we're putting in that whole uh, back area where we have hospitality, we're going to put a, a boutique of all kinds of Christmas things people can pick up and take home, a treasure chest with uh, lots of money in it so people can come and take what they have God's giving them to receive and put in what they, God's telling them to give or take what they're receiving to go give to someone else. So it's just going to be a lot of movement, and I believe it's a prophetic beginning point for the new year we're coming into. On the 14th of January, we're going to do a prayer day We'll start at like nine, go to two, and the, or three. The purpose of that, we're calling it the branch because there's a prophetic imagery that starts back in the Old Testament and carries on in through the New of Jesus is the branch and is a prosperous and, and, and going forth in many, many, many ways. And I believe there's, we're at a point in time for that to be tangibly uh, experienced as a people and what does that look like? It looks like a believer growing up into the head begins to fellowship with Jesus and takes the giftings and the encounters and the directions that God's giving. And God says, I want you to gather a few guys uh, at your work and begin a Bible study. Or I want you to uh, strengthen the, 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 the business people to walk in the high integrity of, of the scriptures. It, it could be anything. See, because as a believer, we each are connected to the head and then are given grace or giftings that are unique to what we carry. And once we find a way of releasing it, uh, then, then it multiplies, the, the kingdom multiplies, not just in the proclamation of Jesus Christ, but in the application of Jesus Christ into everyday life. So we're going to look to launch something 
of that sound, and it'll be on the 14th. So praise the Lord. So, uh, wow. I want to ask the Lord, Father, would you please be with us as we are men here? We have three weeks to the year ends, and we want to we want to find and secure and walk with you into the finishing of that year, the way you would like us and the way we'd like to finish the year. And, Lord, we're looking to the future. We see a year ahead of us. For, for many, it's a year of precarious, ominous things. But for you, it's a year of opportunity, a year of salvation, a year of redemption, a year of victory and triumph. And we want to come into the place you want us to be in at the end of 2023. And we're asking for help that comes from above and by the Spirit of God that's within and from the glorious Word of God that we carry. We don't want to be just a people that are being drawn, swept away by the circumstances of this world, but people that are with you, walking with you, and un unwilling to release our pursuit of you, even when things are beyond what, what they, how they matter or how they overwhelm us. We praise you that you are forever, forever with us. You'll never leave us. You never forsake us. Never, never, never. So we can boldly say right now, in the face of everything we're facing, what can man do to me? The Lord is with me. What can man do with, to me? It is better to put trust in God than to put our faith in man. No, no nation is saved by its army. No great king by its horses. We remember the name of the Lord. We fear you, God, and trust in your mercy. Each of us carry a place that was prepared for us in Christ before time began. We're not just kind of a, a group of people being herded toward the future. We are individual members of the living body of Jesus to which each member does its part. Lord, we would like, we want to step into that relationship with you, finish the year there, and go forward into the new year ahead, not relinquishing to others what God gave us to steward for him. We pray that you would come with strength, with might. You would capture us, our attention, ask questions, allow us to begin a processing you in a new way and beyond anything we've ever, ever seen. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. So if you'll... I have two questions, and I'd like to start with the first question. And I'd like, I think sometimes it's, it seems unfair if I ask you a question and then I say, get, meet, break up with somebody else and, talk, and tell the person what your answer is, because you may not have an answer yet. But part of the things that I've found in the kingdom is that God says to me, ask me a question. I do not have an answer, and he's not really wanting me to have the answer. He's wanting to give me the answer. But the vulnerability of sharing, like here's where I am, opens an honesty that sometimes I don't have because I'm kind of like trying to be the person I think I need to be versus being honest about the person I am that I don't want to be. Does that make sense? You, you know, you, you, have, you face fear, you try to push it down. 
when, when, and you try to not be afraid, the more you try to do that, the more that fear has a hold on you because it's just a low-grade anxiety. But if I, whenever I am afraid, I can trust in the Lord, I can acknowledge, I can invite you into my fear, then we have a door opener. So how would you like to end this year? What, what, what it, wh how do you want to end this year? What is your desire? If it's a word, a place, a position, something happening, uh, just where do you want, how do you want to end this year? And it can be as most practical and it can be most uh, ethereal of the kingdom of, uh, of characteristics. I had this word today when I was posturing, you know, pondering. I want to end in freedom. I want to be free from the conflicts that are conflicting my soul. I want to be in a posture of great freedom that is in Christ. So that was that helped me. Uh, it could be something else. I want to be out of debt. I want to. I want to have resolved this relationship that seems to not not ever get settled. I don't. I don't know. But can let's take a moment. We'll take two minutes and just and share with one other person. Three minutes, and I've got one more question, and then we'll get into some practical ways and, and do more of that interaction. So, okay, find somebody you, that's going to be your partner for the day. It won't again, you're not obligated beyond that. Two people, three at the most, and I'll talk with everybody online. Okay, so where do you want to be? Uh, I told you where I want to be. I want I wanted this moment to be in his freedom. And I don't mean it like that. There's freedom moments for me that I get into that are just ethereal. They're by the Spirit of God. They come and they, they carry me. And I'm so grateful for where the Spirit of the Lord is there is freedom. But there's other places freedom is meant to become uh, a position of, of submission to truth. When you know the truth, the truth will make you free. If any, if you, who the Son makes free is free indeed. So... That's the freedom I'm talking about. I feel the Lord's been pressing into me his words that I can come into an agreement and then my soul can be swept away out of. And I feel there's a permanence in some of these places aren't to be as swept as easily. But to do so, I'm becoming more vulnerable again. It always seems for freedom or any attribute, salvation, healing, prosperity, the level of honesty has to increase with God. So I'm trying to be honest in a way where I'm showing him who I am, not who I want to be or who I think he wants me to be. So I'm feeling more of the unsettledness of my life versus being settled, except, but wanting to accept that he's, this, he's my source of settlement. He's the source of my peace. He's the source of my joy. And his truth is abounding. I'll give you an example. Uh, I used to look at Psalm 119. That's the longest chapter in the Bible. It's all about the Word of God, all about the statutes and so forth. And it's a genius book. It's eight, it's eight verses each uh, stanza on the Hebrew letters, uh, 23 or so of them, and it goes up to 170-something. And, but now it's my favorite book because of the honesty of the author and because of the permanence of the word. So he'll say things like, uh, my enemies are coming against me, but I keep your word. Uh, my fears are overwhelming me, but I, but I hold your word. 
I, and, and so it's not the circumstances that are describing the word, but that the word is being held in spite of the circumstances. That, I believe, is the permanence that we're coming into of entering into rest. That's, that instead of being taken out of our rest by the, by, the, by the circumstances and the storms of life. So for me, I'm resting in more and more in that practice of it's not, I don't carry freedom. Freedom in the word, the truth carries me. And I have to, yes, I can wander from that, but I can return as, as quickly. And there is, there is conflict between the two, but they're not necessarily, uh, I don't have to be the producer of freedom. I just, I'm the receiver. Blessed be God. I am the receiver. Praise Jesus. Amen. Okay. Um, if I can bring everybody back, because we, we're going to keep moving. So you can come back to that question in a minute. I've got a second question, so you don't have to change places. But let me ask you this question. And again, there's no wrong answer. There's no right answer. It's just questions help identify us. Where do you want to be at the end of 2023? Where do you want to be at the end of 2023? Okay? Let's keep on, start the conversation again. All right, where do I want to be? I want to hear from where you want to be, and you can put stuff on the chat, but I want to be known in the Lord, by the Lord, in the place he's put me for the purpose of which he came to know me. I want to be fully um, known. It says in First Corinthians 13, then we will know as we have been known. And it's about being known in a particular place. It could be a set of circumstances. It could be a, a place you live. It could be a position of life's journey. Then you are known. And you will know as you are known. So the being known is, the be, is to know. So I want, I'm in a process of that. And it's been a year. And I'm, I want to be known the way I'm supposed to. I want to be known. And I want to know God the way he's knowing me. And I'm believing to continue that journey and I think there's something of God's completion on that now whether that how that affects me circumstantially I'm not sure that's my focus right now because I feel like the major thing right now is trust with me and the Lord to uh, let him bring about the will the word of the Lord that's been given to me long times but I'm impossible to complete but now it's coming back in words of promise that how do I let him have access through me, but not me being the source of what he's trying to do through me? So it's a, it's a deep work, but it's a gracious work, and I love it. And it catches me under who I am, who I am in my own flesh and who I am in my own soul. But it's great because who he is is whom I'm becoming. I'm free from the pressure of trying to be that person except I'm a receiver. Just yesterday, or day before yesterday, I was meditating on these thoughts, and the Lord, I was concluding, you know, um, I'm not a partner with Christ. I'm a partaker. Everything is because of Christ. I partake, but I don't partner. He's not, I'm not a contributor. I'm a receiver. 
So it's taking pressures off that I, you put me back under pressure to force an outcome of something when there was no outcome for me to force. All the outcomes were already been brought forth through Christ, first by his sacrifice, now through his resurrection that Father has accomplished, and now as an intercession that he is accomplishing, I'm just receiving. So I'm wanting to be known in these fashions, which is beautiful and frightening, and I'm not, I'm, I'm aware, and I just, and it's an undoing. And so I think I'm right now in the undoing, and I want to be able to transition into that, here am I, send me, a place that Isaiah came through in the undoing in Isaiah 6. Amen. All righty. Cool, cool, I love this. Yeah, all right, I got to get everybody back, so uh, online, we're, we're good. <clears throat> this is cool, this is really good, this is really good, yeah, yeah. This is really, really, really good. I love the connection that's happening. And again, it's never the connection of the right answer. It's just the vulnerability and the opportunity to be known and to know. And to know. So if you can come back, give me your attention for a few minutes. We've got, we'll go back into a few more of these questions. So um, let me tell you a quick story that has to do with this uh, being, uh, this where do you want to be in 2023. I believe this next year is going to be a super movement year of seeing God move things and people into their places and expression and demonstration of himself, his kingdom, and his love. A year ago last year, last year was a big year of change for us. We, we sold our house and we moved to take care of Cammy's dad and then five weeks into that care it became apparent that his house, he needed to sell his house so he could get better full-time care and so which we did which meant we had no place to live we planned to just serve in that capacity so immediately we thought well we got to move so where i started off by well, where do i want to live all our kids live in ventura i grew up in ventura so i thought okay i want to go to ventura but don't know what to buy where to buy how to buy We'll go rent. Where do I want to rent? Well, I'll start with where do I want, where do I love to live? I love to live at the beach. So I went and got opened the door of an apartment right there on the beach. And so we moved. Uh, within, uh, within that transition of movement, within two weeks, before we, when we said yes, signed a lease, and we moved in, the Lord said to me, I am, I am bringing you here to know you. And I thought, well, okay, that's, that's cool. I, um, I, I thought I was coming to surf. No, <laughs> you can't help but think that. But no, he said, I'm bringing you here to know you. And so, it, and it was really, and it became apparent. Because first off, after two moves in seven weeks, and the previous move prep unloading a home you'd lived in for 35 years and pulling, I ended up just wearing out my shoulder. So all of a sudden, a couple months into the uh, new home living at the beach, my shoulder's frozen. So their surfing's out of the portion. But immediately having moved in back in, again, this was November last year, we began to walk, uh, um, and not, we always walk, Cam and I, but we began to walk with the Lord at different, we didn't walk together. I mean, we do that. But we walked, we went to have time with the Lord. 
And, and the Lord began to say, I brought you here to know you. And so when the word know in the Bible means gnosko, it means I want to know you intimately. I want to know, I want to know you in a way you don't know you. I want to know you in a way you don't know me. I'm going to, uh, going to get in your space. I'm going to deal with your heart. I'm going to begin to challenge you and your belief. So the conversation, I was ready for that, but I, 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 I was not as prepared as how strong that would go. Because, and it's grown this whole year, and I believe there's another year in that as far as the outcome of that. When, if the Lord asked Adam, where are you? He didn't, did, did God in the, know where Adam was? Of course he did. It's just Adam didn't know where he was. He needed to ask Adam, where are you? And then he had to start saying, well, I was, I heard your voice. I was naked. I was afraid. And so I hid. So all of a sudden, Adam has to give an explanation of where he is and why he is where he is. And then God begins a conversation. Well, who told you you were naked? Again, does God know? Of course he does. He was there while Adam made the decision to commit high treason. Did, and then Adam, now Adam is having... It was the woman you gave me. She gave me the fruit, and I ate it. And then what did you do? Well, it was the devil. He tempted me. He made me do it. What did you do? He had nothing to say. To the belly he goes, and then the prophecy starts. You know, I will, out of the seed of this woman, I will crush your head. And so the virgin birth prophesied in the third chapter of Genesis. Powerful. But then God has to deal with the moment where you're at. Let's kill an animal, sacrifice a little bit of blood, get a coat on you, cover you up, and get you out of this garden because you don't want to live in this perpetual state for all eternity. We don't want you eating the tree of life. Now you'd be forever here. So we're going to move you out, put an angel surround the tree. Nobody gets in. And that was obviously in place until after the flood. By the time the flood came, the tree got transplanted, transported. It's not here on the earth anymore, but we do hear of it up there in heaven at the throne room, the tree of life. So this being known is kind of an undoing process. And I, hearing questions, I, I, you know, I wrote, I, there's five questions the Lord's been asking me, and he started with those two. Where do you want to be at the, how do you want to end this year, and where do you want to be next year? And then I started look, listening, and I started, I started being amazed at how many questions Jesus asks in the Gospels. I mean, I would think there's like 50 to maybe 100 unique questions he asks. You know, some are, some are just simple, but, but some are super profound. And I started listening to those questions as being, wow. Like, for instance, if we go to John chapter 1, verse, I will say, 38, possibly. I, I wrote it down as 38, but maybe go to like chapter, verse 36, John chapter 1. This is the first question Jesus asks. It's still probably the most pertinent question for all of us in this room because it's a forever question. So John chapter 1, verse 36, if you pull that up. And looking at Jesus, John, John is speaking. 
This is a transitional moment, which I think we're in the kingdom right now, very transitional. Movement, one way of God moving into the earth, now a new way is being presented. John is looking and he's looking at Jesus as he walked. He said, behold the Lamb of God. So there's a recognition, this is the new move of God. And the two disciples heard them speak and they followed Jesus. So they're, okay, I wanna get into that new thing. Now here's the question. Then Jesus turned and seeing them following, said to them, what do you seek? Why would you have, why did you, I'm seeking you. I'm following you. You're being pointed out as the next move of God, whatever. But Jesus isn't content to leave us in a movement by someone else's effect. He wants to ask them, what do you seek? They said to him, Rabbi, which is to say, which when translated teacher, where are you staying? Isn't that an interesting thought? To know Jesus, you have to know where he is. To, 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 uh, what, if we're seeking him, we're seeking where he is. I know that may sound like, gosh, that's far more than I know how to do. But it isn't. All of us can do it. First off, we know he's in heaven, seated at the right hand of majesty. So that helps us know where he is, where he's staying. And then Jesus says to them, verse 39, come and see. And this, this is a, a simple initiation and, and forever will be followed for each of us. What are you seeking? Where are you staying? And then he says, well, come and see. And I believe the reason that was so important because that, the answer to that question, what are you seeking, really makes a huge difference on what we do with our day and what we do with our year. What are you seeking? And I don't think you have to start by being holy, like special, like I'm, I'm seeking you, Jesus. Because uh, sometimes that's not at all the way God begins to uh, dismantle the, the situation we're in. Because later, Peter, at the end of his John, in chapter 22, Jesus asked Peter this question three times. Peter, do you love me more than these? And then he'd say, of course you know I love you. you know, but there was, are you committed in, in, in covenantial love like agape? Or, and Peter said, I love you much like a friend, and we're close. And, that went, and then he'd say, feed my sheep. Tend my lambs. Feed my sheep. So the reason Jesus asks questions is to help us identify where we are, not so that we give him the right answer. Does that make sense? That's, that's the purpose. What are you seeking? So you want to take a moment, try it? Let's just take a moment, meet with, meet with our group, and, tell, and say, what are you seeking? I mean, and be honest, because it's not about coming up with the right answer. It's what it, what's pressing on me. What, for some of us, just seeking enough money to make ends meet, trying to get a better job. It may have nothing to do with, with Jesus, but that's fine. That's, a big, that's an identifier. It's not a wrong answer. It's, a, it's the true answer. So let's take a moment, and we'll talk on the line, and then we'll come back. We've got three more questions after that. Yay. Praise the Lord, guys. 
What are you seeking? What are you seeking? You know, again, life gets to be a point where it's just sometimes just to, just to get through the day. Or it's a season where we feel like if I could just get out of this miserable place I'm in. And so it, it, it takes possession of me. And I'm, I lose my place, honestly, all the time. Sometimes it's just through mundane, too much activity, too many things to do. And I can't keep up in my place in prayer or in the Bible. Or, and I'm just kind of dealing with one thing after another. Like, like we talk about holding, you know, at the, at the plate and people are pitching. You're trying to hit the ball and you keep hitting it. And you're just, you're getting in, I don't know. And you're, you're, but that, that, those moments pass. There comes a reprieve. What are you seeking? And where are you, Jesus? That's a, good, that's a good response. Where are you staying? Where are you, Jesus? He said, well, come and see. Isn't that funny that he would put the Otis on me to come and see, not on giving me an address? <laughs> Wish he'd just give me an address and I could email him or something like that. But instead he said, no, you come and see. So what are you seeking? Again, some of us, it's just a, a place of peace or joy or reprieve. And we go, I don't know. I mean, that's, that's the beautiful thing. It will come to where are you staying? Because where Jesus is, is where he wants us to be. He doesn't want us to be apart from him. He wants us to be with him. And he wants to be with us where we are. It's not a separate thing. I'm not escaping the world by going to be with Jesus, seated at the right hand in my time of prayer and positioning my heart to see him in his word. Yes, that's my, my responsibility to come and see. But I also find that in the coming to see, he's come to me, knocking on the door of my heart. And I hear his voice, I open up and he comes in and wow, next thing you know is he's knowing me. And he's seeing where I live. And we become one. That's what I believe is discipleship and what was coming into a strong way for this next year. Strong way. And you don't have to have the right answer. Just have to be honest in your conversation. Let him, let him just speak to you and what you do and where you're going. and Let him, let him come alive in that moment because he is alive. He's so alive. He so knows you. He so created you. He so saved you. He so redeemed you. We've been every one of us given a place. Every one of us given a place in Jesus. All right. <clears throat> okay, we'll come back. Okay. Um, yeah. In John chapter 5, verse 6, Jesus asks a man who's been in one state for a very long time. I think it could be 30-some years. I don't recall. But John chapter 5, verse 6, he's at the pool of Bethesda. And it says, when Jesus saw him lying there, this man, he was paralyzed. And an angel would come into the water, stir it and someone would get in and whoever got in first got healed 
So this man had been there for a long time in that condition, a long time. He said to him, do you want to be made well? Isn't that an interesting question for Jesus to ask a man who's been de demonstrating his commitment to be healed? Do you want to be made well? But Jesus isn't trying to get, are you sincere? He's trying to dismantle the reason this man has given up getting well. See, we can be in a position, that's where hope gets deferred, life starts to just repeat itself over and over again. We get, a, we get our own storyline, we didn't want it, it just was forced upon us, it's a narrative we wouldn't have, wouldn't have written, but it's the one we've been experiencing so much, now it's the narrative we will repeat. So Jesus asked a man who's been hanging out at the pool of Bethesda to be healed, do you want to be well? And it's like someone coming to a healing line and you're saying, you know, to the healing rooms, do you, do you want to be well? Well, I wouldn't be here if I didn't want to be well. Does that make sense? It's so it's not an indication of genuineness. It's he's like, again, I've never had Jesus ask me a question that I had the answer I, I wanted, but he brought out an answer I needed to see. So what does the man say? The sick man answered, sir, I have no man to put me into the pool when the water is stirred up. But while I am coming, rolling down, can you imagine he's pretty much, you know, lame, another steps down before me. So he now is explaining with great detail why he isn't getting healed. He doesn't realize it, that this is his limiter because he's now in a, he's in a, in a, in a scenario that he can't get better. It's like when Jesus asks, uh, the, the man who's epileptic son, and he's, he said, how long has he been in this case? And he didn't need to know how long he'd been demonized, but the man needed to tell him his trauma. Well, it's been from a long time. Sometimes a demon will come upon him and throw him in the water to drown him, and, and sometimes he's thrown him into the fire, and it's total, it takes everything within our means to get him back into a right mind, into a place of peace. If you, could, if you can do anything, help us. So see, now the level of unbelief that has grown over, per, and I'm, I'm going to be the first to admit, extended exposure to trauma produces unbelief. Extended exposure to trauma, subtle trauma or radical trauma, it produces unbelief, and it, it's, it has to be identified by the one who carries it, because if you carry unbelief but will not acknowledge it, then you, what can God do for you? Does that make sense? Because I'm, I'm saying, it's, you know, because he says, if you can do anything, like, you know, I've done all my part, what can you do? And Jesus has to say, if you can believe, all things are possible to him who believes. And so then he says, I believe, help my unbelief. And so those moments, do you want to be made well? So why don't we try that question? Do you want to be made well? It can be physical, emotional, spiritual, relational. Do you want to be made well? And what comes up? What's the answer that comes up? Again, it isn't the right answer. It's just the true answer that we're letting come up and experience. So let's go ahead and do that a couple of minutes. <clears throat> Sorry, I don't mean to be putting everybody in these places, but I don't know. 
do I want to be made well? I don't, I, I think, so, I think right now I'd have to say I am more aware of why I am not well and why things don't go beyond where they are. And I could give you a list of reasons. But, but yeah, I do want to be made well. I do. But I think the way I'm going to be made well isn't the way I'm trying to get well. So I'm tr open to the new. And the new is not new in that it's not been declared before. It's in the Bible. It's I'm, I am aware of my unbelief. Or I'm trying to let God point it out. Or the Holy Spirit convict me of unbelief because I don't believe to the level that Jesus now carries authority and capacity to I can receive from him or in him. So I am being honest. I am don't have I don't have the means to get there. It's kind of a funny thought that I want I'm here to get something but I don't have the means to get what I'm here for. But I somehow feel that my means to getting there is part of my equation to receive. And I guess that's been a huge huge thing right now for me to go empty myself be honest you know I don't I could I can keep trying to become more and do more and be more or I am finding that I've got to just acknowledge that I am not enough to get where I felt I was supposed to get to get whole I can pause and I can receive in Jesus healing and I do and salvation, and I do, and deliverance, and I do. But I know there's so much more. And I know there's things that are God's desire to start, or release, or promises made that need to now be fulfilled that are stuck in trauma. So I am aware that the, the wiping of the tears from the eyes, that's the trauma vision that we see in Isaiah 25, I believe, and in Revelation 21, and so forth, Revelation 7, God removes the trauma. He, ex he takes it with the anointing out, and a new place is coming. So I am letting that happen, like Isaiah did, going, oh no, I thought I was holy, and I was telling everybody else how unholy they were, and now I am the one who's seen true holiness, and I'm identifying that I am a man of unclean lips and I dwell among a people yeah of unclean lips but I'm just as unclean as they are and now the altar the coal kiss my lip and I can have a I don't know wow may it be I know heaven isn't limited it's my limitation on heaven or my restraint on heaven so that has become kind of my conversation do I want to be well Yes, but, and then the but has to get shared. And um, it's okay. I'm finding the more the Lord, be honest. You, you can't produce, and you want it done, but you don't. You have reasons why it isn't being done. And any reason outside of me is an illegitimate reason. Any other person that's not helping is not the reason for my not receiving. Because if a person can hinder my receiving, then that person is greater than the God who brings healing. It's me and my interpretation, the way I see it. 
and the way I, this man at the pool of Bethesda had become convinced that he needed someone to help him get to the water when indeed Jesus had a different answer for him. Praise the Lord. Okay, let's go on. Okay, I, here's a cool, cool answer to Jesus said, remember the, the story, the story that comes up in my soul is the true story of where I am. It's my identification. I'm here because of this reason. And the truth in the scripture is that I am circumstantially cannot stop me from receiving from the Lord. Where the man had come up with the idea, I have nobody to help me. There's no, I need help. Someone needs to come in to my aid. And I have no one. Therefore, I'm here. So it's really not my fault. It's somebody else's fault. Yet when Jesus comes to each of us to do a work of, of healing, he, he doesn't allow those excuses to stand if he's to get to us because it's not about somebody else. It's like not my wife's fault. It's not my kid's fault. It's not my boss's fault. It's not the president's fault. If I'm in distress, if I'm in, if I'm in failure, it's yes, those are contributing factors, but if, they are, if they're factors that will withstand the will of God, then they are greater than God. And God cannot, nothing is greater than him. So I have to own my thing. So what Jesus says to the man after he gives him his excuse, he just simply says, rise, take up your bed, and walk. So what I'm finding in these honest conversations is God then can speak into me a command. Like he said to the, to the uh, father who had such trauma. If you believe, if you can believe, it, it, all things are possible. He put it back on him. The Otis is always put back on us. I don't understand why, except that only I only have authority over me. And until that, me and we are in one, and others are disconnect. You know, so it's not my wife's fault. It's not anybody else's fault. It's just me. I'm in my own belief. And now. Uh, we have this honest conversation, or Jesus gives this charge. Rise, take up your bed, and walk. And immediately the man was made well, took up his bed, and walked. So when I have those moments, and I'm believing for these all through 2023, there's some of us sitting in circumstances of life that we've been there so long that we don't see that we can actually leave that circumstance unless the equation that we've come up with changes and that contributing force comes into play when in fact we are the ones between us and God we are a majority nothing else can stand in our way so that's pretty cool but it's pretty scary because it steps you it places me in a vulnerable place and I have to spend time to to kind of listen to this you know so I get find out where come and see where you are now do you want to be made well and here's take this step so there's two more questions, and then we'll, we'll, we'll go on. This next one is uh, found in Matthew 16. And there's, like I said, there's so many. And thank you, Jesus, for picking the ones you want. Uh, Matthew 16, Jesus asks these famous questions. He says, who do men say that I, the Son of Man, am? Um, let me see if I have that. Yeah, I think that's, yeah. Who do men say that I the son of man am and so they gave they gave the report 
Well, some say you're John the Baptist, resurrected, raised from the dead. Some say you're Elijah. Some say you're one of the prophets. And that be interesting. What, you, what I find is I carry a lot of what other men say, who Jesus is and what's expected of me and who Jesus. But Jesus then goes and he says, who do you say I am? And that's when Peter steps in and risks it all and says, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. So when we move from the reports that others bring of Jesus to the report that we have come to conclude Jesus is, is when we step into blessing. Because he says, blessed are you, Simon, Barjona. Flesh and blood did not reveal it. So it is absolutely impossible for flesh and blood to reveal Jesus Christ to someone else, even though we try with all our might. Case in point, think about your kids. You didn't try harder than anybody then to try to communicate, and yet you, in all honesty, have found your limitation. They, they've gone to a level, but maybe not the level you saw them into. I don't know. But flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God. Flesh and blood, can, flesh profits nothing. It's so, he says, you're the son of the living God. So he says, you're blessed because the Father revealed this. And I say to you, Peter, that you're on this rock, I'll build my house. You know? And so he now, Jesus is unpacking his heart to this man. Here's what's going on. We're gonna, my church is going to build. I'm building my church. And Haiti has no say over its completion and I'm and it will not prevail and I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven Peter and you whatever you bind earth bound in heaven it's all wrapped up in the revelation that Jesus is the Christ it's all wrapped up in that then he commanded his disciples they should tell no one he was Jesus the Christ and from that time Jesus began to show his disciples okay I must now go to Jerusalem. I'm going to suffer many things. Elders, the chief priests, the scribes, and I'll be killed and raised the third day. Here's a freebie sideline. Jesus faces everything with a declaration of an outcome before he goes through it. He never submits himself to, we'll see what happens. Do you understand? He accepts the fact, I'm going to be beat. I'm going to be mistreated. I'm going to be crucified. I'm going to be killed. But on the third day, I'm raising up. That's a powerful means of not being ran adrift, is that there's a decree at the end. And if you listen, you'll always hear the, the, the whisper of the Spirit saying, this is how the outcome, this is the trial you're in, but this is the outcome. So Peter then takes him aside, because Peter's not in that level of understanding, and he rebukes him and says, that won't be happening to you, not on my watch. I'm not, we're not going down that suffering road. So he turns to Peter and says, get behind me, Satan. You are an offense to me because you're not mindful. You're not focusing on the things of God, but you're still thinking as a man would think. And this is a really challenging part for each of us because there's things that Jesus wants to do with us through the revelation that he is the Christ, through the blessing that that brings, through the eventual power of authority of binding and loosing, that that, that places us in circumstances that we're not wanting to be placed and assembled in. 
And that's not because it's not the will of God that we're not there. It's just that our, our, our own soul shrinks from that. My flesh shrinks from that. I mean, all I want is peace and safety. I'd probably do it at all costs, you know. But God doesn't want that for me. He wants me to be in righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. And he's a mighty God. And he often picks fights that I would never pick. So it's kind of weird. And then he wants me to be in confidence and not be fearful and dismayed, but strong and courageous, which I'm not. So I have to find how to get there. You know, so it's, you can imagine this craziness. So he then has to deal with Peter and the rest of his disciples. If anyone desires to come after me, let him deny himself. Take up his cross and follow me. That is a crazy idea that if we're to move into our future of 2023, we will have to deny ourselves. Which means you're going to say, there's a lot of things I want to get resolved, but I can't. There's a lot of things that I need to have answered, but I, I'm, not going to, I'm not going to put that demand on. I'm just going to let where I am, I'm, not, I'm going to deny my need. Pick up that cross, whatever it is that's imposing death upon me, and keep following after Jesus. And the reason, he says, for whoever desires to save his life, which is to sozo, to save his suke, which is his life, whoever wants to save his soul, which uh, you've, you've been there, I've been there, we know this. You try to save your soul, that's the last thing that's going to get saved. It's almost like God says, you're trying to save your soul? Sorry, I'm not in here for that purpose. You, you, the need that's driving you to me is not faith, it's whatever. Because it says, if you try to save your soul, you'll lose it. But if you lose your soul, for my sake. So it's always this Jesus making it, make me first. It's like Elijah to the, to the widow. What are you doing? I, wanna, I, 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 want some of your, I want some of your bread. I want you to make a cake for me. Well, I'm, I don't have enough but just to eat and make a meal and die. He said, go ahead, do what you got to do, but first feed me. God's always asking something out of us that we don't have in order to give us what we cannot produce. Does that make sense? And it's just a weird thing. But this, we're not talking about being successful men on the earth. If that's what you want to be, then there's a lot better ways to do it. Just work the world system. And you can make a lot of money, have a lot of power, a lot of influence. Jesus said, in the world, the top dog is being honored. Not in my kingdom. My kingdom is an upside-down kingdom. And it's going to place you in positions that you wouldn't want to be. So he's saying, okay, you're going to have to lose your life. But if you lose your life for my sake, you'll find it. So those, for what profit is a man if you gain the whole world? And you lose your soul. Which another way to put that is if you are possessing much of the world, you've lost much of your soul. Your soul is now wrapped up into that world possession. And that's why the rich young ruler had such an impossible answer to sell all and follow me. Because it's like, wow, I've got way too much responsibility in what I have. It's just so he's always after that stuff. Uh, what, so what, you know, what, he's, what, what, what profit is it? Or what will a man give in exchange for his soul? A soul is very costly to redeem, the psalm says. So uh, the Son of Man will come in the glory of his Father and the angels, and then he will reward each one according to his work. So he's pressing us past our capacity. And that's why prayer is so important, reading the scriptures is so important. The scriptures, without the scriptures, how can I know what truth is? If I'm just circling in my own thoughts and my own prayers, I'm soon going to be praying to myself but if I'm letting the scriptures get a hold of me it's like whoa I don't know what to do with that so take a moment
um, and who do men say Jesus is and who do you say he is? Okay, take a moment to share. What are you hearing? The, what, is, what is everybody saying about Jesus right now? And what are you hearing God say about Jesus? Take a moment, break up, and then we'll get one more question. We'll be out here at 930. Blessings. Lord, I thank you. Okay, so I kind of told you, but I'll get a little more, more honest, more, more, more vulnerable. I hear a sound that Jesus is trying to, trying to rally us into a taking, taking and protecting and preserving things that are dear to us and were valuable and have been given to us by God and are valuable. And yet I hear Jesus saying to me that I'm not guaranteeing the things that you would like me to guarantee, but I am guaranteeing a relationship I have for you. You follow me. Follow me. So the following him is this no guarantee. I got to pick up, got to deny myself, pick up my cross, follow him. And my soul isn't getting its answers at the rate it would like to. And I believe in the healing of the soul. I believe there's a lot for the liberation. But unfortunately for me, my soul's a tyrant. And it puts a bunch of demands on God that God's not willing to answer. So the only answer I have is to deny and go on and lose the soul for Jesus' sake at that juncture so that I could gain my soul. So I could, it could be returned in a whole place, which is the path of faith. But it's, it's, it's counterintuitive. I would love to just go with the, the, the large sounds that Jesus is the, going to come and he's going to put everything right and... and we're going to see everything as that we love restored and it's all going to all be in order that it was meant to be and we're all going to go into the greater prosperity. But I don't get that guarantee from Jesus right now. I do get a guarantee that come follow me into what I'm doing and at the end of what I'm doing is salvation and completion and, and all of that will come from it. So that's where I am. Uh, I'm being a little general on that because it's not necessary to be specific on what other men say. Some say Jesus is a great, you know, liberator of countries and organizers of democracies and and haters of, you know, and I, I get all of that. But I hear an individual, you are the Christ, and I understand that the path into triumph is usually through a path of suffering, but I am learning to declare the outcome which is that I will enter into the purpose for which Jesus prepared my life for, and I will fulfill the calling that he has over me, and he will have access through my life to bring glory to the Father. And the words that he promised, he will perform. And I do not have to perform them, but they will be performed. I will rejoice in the performance of them. So, wow. Okay. All right, we'll get back into the next one. Okay, so um,
Okay. Um, I'm going to combine this next last question. Again, uh, I'm going to combine this last question into two questions because they, they are, some of this may be at all where you're not facing and anything I'm talking about that you're not, it's making no sense, just forget it. Keep going after God the way you know to get it. But sometimes the more we pursue the Lord, the more he, he presses past the, the externals and gets deeper into the internal. And it's always my heart he seems to be after. And the word is what separates soul from spirit and then goes after the thought and tensions of my heart. Which I don't know about you, but Jeremiah said the heart is wicked, desperately wicked, and who can know it? Only God can know it with his word. So I got two questions that Jesus put out, and they're going to end our time together. And hopefully it won't be the end of your process of thinking, because you've got three weeks to end this year. Three weeks from today. Now get this. We start January 1st, 2023, on a Sunday. The first day of the new year, God has said, my church arise, gather together, worship me, place me as first before anything else, make me number one. In your calendar, I place myself as one. The last day of 2023 will be a Saturday right prior to the new year, or it will be a Sunday, excuse me. That's why it makes, the last day of 2023 will be a Sunday, and you'll say, gather together and worship me. I think there's something strategic in the kingdom calendar about our being brought to the place. So here's two questions. The first one comes in John 5:44, and Jesus' statement, and then I'm gonna to jump to the other question because they go together. He says, how can you believe who receive honor from one another and do not seek the honor that comes from the only God? How can you believe who receive honor from one another? We all know there is a difference between the praise of men and the praise of God. But it is the praise of men. We all, we're all, that's what we were trained up in as children you know, the applaud, the affirmation. So we continue on wanting, but he says, you can't believe. He's making it a point. You can't believe if you seek honor from one another. And Jesus made a big point. So that's a maturing spot. So that may not be where everybody else is, but here's a bigger one. This is in John 22. And this is the last question Jesus asks after he asked Peter about, you know, do you love me more than, it says, uh, John 22, 22. So this is, uh, I don't have it on my phone, so I'll wait till it pops up. I have the address. So John 22, 22. Jesus, uh, we may have to back up to like verse 20. Can you get up to John 20, verse, chapter 20, verse 20? Let's try that. Yeah, that'll probably work out. It's coming. There it is. Thank you, Jesus. When he... No, no, John 22, 2, 2, 2, 2. Okay, John 21. Oh, that's the extra chapter I wrote on the end, you know, just to wrap up the story, you know, so I could feel comfortable. <laughs> Thank you, guys. Boy, did I get caught. <clears throat> the, uh, so 
Then Peter, turning around, saw the disciple whom Jesus loved following him, who also leaned on the breast of the supper and said, Lord, who is the one who betrays you? Peter, seeing him, said to Jesus, but Lord, what about this man? Now, Peter had just been told how he would glorify Jesus to his death and how it would be nothing he would choose. And now he looks and sees John, who's been the favorite, and says, what about this man? And so here's the question Jesus asks, 22. Jesus said to him, if I will that he remain till I come, what is that to you? What is that to you? So we have, two, we have two, two precarious things. How can you believe if you seek honor from one another, not that which comes from the only God? And if I choose to show a tremendous favor to another man, let him live a lap of luxury, a life of opulence, and never have to die until I return, what is that to you? Follow me. I don't believe that God is fair. He is just, and I, I believe he applies all disciplines in our life to liberate us from ourself. He knows who we are apart from who he is, and he's committed to deal with who we are apart from him. It's like he did not come to... He did not come to... How did I write that down? That was pretty good. I should just give it to... And maybe I shouldn't if I don't remember it. But it was on Wednesday driving home. He said, uh, no, I'll, I won't leave it. I'll, when it comes, I, I have it, but I'm, I feel a check on that. So the question, last question. How can, how can you believe who seek honor from one another? And if I desire to show favor to someone else, what is that to you? What is that to you? What is that? That's the most difficult one for me because I'm, I realize my life is tied into what other people think and how others are treated in all fairness and justice. And I don't understand how that's how that throws me all the time. And so obviously Jesus has got a plan and he gets to make those decisions on how we get treated. And uh, he's longing for us to have one person that we want to hear praise from and that is God. And there'll be a day God will praise us and every man's praise will come from God. Scripture says it. So it's, he's committed now to dismantle the systems that are controlling us to seek men's praise or men's approval or to fear men's disapproval and to want justice or fairness in all, in all, in all decisions of God when he in, has committed himself to say, it's none of your business what I do with someone else. All that matters is you follow me. Okay, let's take a moment. We've got five minutes and then we'll close up. Wow. So. Praise the Lord. Sorry about that. That is a big one. But it is where a lot of us are right now. A honor is not possible if we're seeking it from one another. Uh, we can't believe. Faith Faith just dismantles as soon as I'm... I'll be right with you. I just... Uh, I did not come to bring peace. Is 
Oh, no, no, but that's, that's good. Thank you. That is, that's exactly it. <laughs> Dan just brought up that uh, I did not come to bring peace but a sword. No, what I, what I remembered was I did not, Jesus did not come to affirm my flesh but crucify it. So, same thing. <laughs> don't you love this Jesus I mean what who else would commit himself to say I'm I know you and I'm going to bring you all the way to being entirely me in me dependent upon me and comfortable with me and free from what is controlling your mechanism of needing approval or or wanting fairness so wow what a year I don't know I uh, Cammie got a word this yesterday, and we weren't talking about any of this, but she heard the Lord say he's about to use a whole bunch of people that have not deserved in any way to be used. They're not even real believers, but he's going to use them to bring salvation to the earth. And the challenge for us will be how come they got to be used when I didn't? I've been so faithful. I've been here so long. I've waited for so long. Again, same kind of idea. We have issues, evil eyes. Evil eye is, is jealousy. And when that jealousy is in me, God will make sure it finds a way to express. And I can see it so I can say, God, help me. So help me. Help me, Lord. Help me come into that, that place of, um, of submission, of rest. I want your praise only. I know I want it, but I, I'm, I, I don't like reproach either. But the reproaches of those who fell on, reproach the Lord fell on you, and it kind of flows the same way to us. So I don't know. I ask you for grace and mercy, Father, and I ask you for, to release me from my desire for things to be fair and uh, brought out the way at least we all go through the same thing and the same outcome in the same way. Instead, I just need to follow you. Help me to just follow you, I pray. In Jesus' name, amen. He's got it. How can you believe who seek honor from one another? What If I re will that he remain until I come, what is that to you? You follow me. Okay. <clears throat> All right, one more. Can we All right, guys. We're going to, I've got, we have three minutes and we want to release a blessing. Dan Peters. Dan Peters came up, and I thought he was coming to finally get saved after 80 years of living for Jesus, or 90. Any case, no, not at all. He brought up that scripture he thought I was trying to say is, I did not come to bring peace but a sword, which re-triggered the word that I had heard, which is the exact same word, because what I was hearing was the Lord saying to me on Wednesday, Jesus has not come to affirm our flesh. He came to crucify it. So he's ruthless on some of the issues of life that we would rather him pamper. But at the end, we're going to get praise from God. And he's going to let us in. And he's going to bring us into the place. So let the Lord's blessing. Has this been helpful, having connection and process? Take, there, there, like I said, there's at least 40 more questions Jesus asked that are as per, uh, penetrating in the Gospels that the Lord might lead you into one of them or two of them or all of them. And I believe, and I'd like us to stand up, I believe God is going, going to penetrate as deep as we'll let him before we shut him down.
and then when we shut him down, he'll back off for a bit, and then he'll come back again and penetrate, because he's after one thing, and that is full possession of my heart and full liberation of my life. And he will not allow me to hide behind any of my things that I'm hiding behind, and religion is probably the one that he is the most difficult, you know, conflict with. Dear Heavenly Father, we are men that have been called to be sons. And as sons, we've been called with purpose. Each of us have callings that are irrevocable and without repentance. And we all have inheritance that we were given in Christ before time began. We were fashioned in your heart in Christ to be holy without blame before you in love. We were predestined to adoption as sons. We were, caught, we were given to insight that everything is being summed up into Christ in heaven and on earth, that we were given an inheritance that was predestined for us according to your purpose, your counsel, your will, and here we are, and you know us. I know me. Thank you for the opportunity to be found. And I would ask for the grace, would you find us this year? Would you find us in ways we cannot find ourselves? Would you help us so that we can see what we cannot see, so we can see you in a way we cannot yet see you? Lord, you are the sufficiency for every deficiency that you expose in our life. And you are the blessing of life that comes when we accept you there versus trying to be you there instead. So I pray grace. May we finish the year as you would have us finish. May we have the affirmation of agreement in you and your word. And may we be in the place that you want us to be where you are at the end of 2023. We cannot get there ourselves, and we cannot finish this year ourselves. But you can get us there because you are there and you made a promise that where you are, we will be with you also. So we receive your great ability and power, your Holy Spirit, your word of truth, our life. And Lord, we thank you for the grace to finish this year as you would have us and be in that place of launching into the next. In Jesus' name, amen. Hey, yeah, thank, thank you. I just remembered, and they're out in the back, if you didn't get one, we are endeavoring, I'm planning to read through the entire Bible next year. The whole old, old Testament from, December, from January to December, as well as I've got a pattern that we could read the New Testament three times. And we've got January's month step as an example. It would be five chapters a day if you were to do it all. Three chapters in the Old Testament, two chapters in the New Testament. If you were to say, the reason I want to present it now is that you've got, we have three weeks to ask the Lord, do you want me to do this? And if he says so, then grace will be there to do so. And the grace that I want everyone to know, and I'll be telling everybody, if you bog down, just start up again. If five chapters is getting too much at that moment, just stop the Old Testament, keep the New Testament going. The only reason the New Testament is, is everything else is fading away, it's coming forth, forward. But, but who knows? Is that where you want to be at the end of 2023, to have read the entire Bible again and become saturated in the New Testament? Ask the Lord. And, and you can pick up the January schedule just to get an idea how it works. It's, it, it's pretty cool because we'll go history, we'll go Torah history, we'll also go 
po po poetry, psalms, proverbs, Job, and then we'll also do a, a prophet a day. So one chapter of all those a day, and then we'll do a gospel or acts, and then we'll do a epistle to Revelation. So it'll be like a, 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 a gathering of, from all the places that God spoke through, all the ways he spoke. Amen. Love you guys. Thank you so much for being so kind.